Hello and welcome to episode four of Above the Meta. This week, Adam and I ran through the week's esports news, and then Adam got me ready to lose a ton of money on online poker. Uh, also, next week, we will be doing a mailbag, so send your questions to askabovethemeta at gmail.com, or you can Facebook message Adam or myself or Twitter. We are on all of the socials. Looking forward to answering your questions. We've gotten a lot of really good ones so far. Hopefully, uh, it'll be a good one next week. Take care. Queen 10. Yeah, Levy with a Queen 10 and the win. Call the race with the. We call the race with Queen 10, honey. I know, honey. He's some online guy. And that player. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Above the Meta. I am Adam Ruthless Levy, and we got Patrick Darmody on the other end. What's up? How you doing? Fantastic, man. How you doing? Pretty good. Um, this is our fourth episode. Uh, kind of pumped to do this again. Uh, been having a lot of fun chat, chatting it up with you, Patrick. Uh, and I got a haircut. No today. way. For the first time in three months, literally my like haircut lady, she opened back up yesterday and I was like, like, you know, just super pumped to no longer have my frizzy Jewish hair. Pop that cap off. Let's take a look. <laughs> oh, you look there's nothing silver fox you. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I know. I actually like um just I I I'm not freaking out from all the hair and, and hotness that it, it provides. It's probably the longest my hair had been in maybe a decade. I don't even well, know. Well, you looked great before, you look even better now. Uh as you can see for <laughs> me, I'm going on I think month four without a haircut. As you know, I live in San Francisco, which uh, leads the world in cowardice. So we will probably be locked down until 2026, just to be sure. So I have to say getting a haircut, uh, kind of like how people get medical tourism. I'll fly to Cuba and have some guy chop me up and uh, that'll be the only way I can get cut because right now, it's, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we go go underground, uh, find, you know, maybe find a guy. Yeah, it, you know, it, I know a guy. <laughs> If I shampoo this thing right now, it's not shampooed, so it's staying down. I am uh, going to look like Jimmy Neutron, so we got to keep this, keep it flat down. But uh, All right. I'm curious, man. Uh, so how's everything going in LA? I know this is obviously a pretty, pretty crazy time, but you guys are opening back up. It sounds like. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, I walked to get a haircut today, and on my way back, there was a cafe that had open, open like people sitting outside and inside, spaced out like kind of operating normally like there were people even in there without masks on and then um there was another one that just like uh, you had to if you wanted to be inside you had to have masks on but um there were people sitting outside and that, that was just kind of uh good to see but i'm still a little skeptical uh about the you know like covid actually being on the downturn just yet but hopefully in the next few weeks, we will see some upside. Yeah, well, or, I definitely hope so. But I've been walking around in a plastic bubble uh, just in case. So no COVID for me so far. Knock on wood. Yeah. Awesome, yeah. man. Well, we have, uh, but, we have a great show here. So I want to quickly kind of run down what we're going to be talking about. Um, obviously, we have a bunch of news we want to get to and then kind of an interesting segment. It sounds like you finally entered the gulag. So can't wait to hear about that. I, I have entered the gulag and I'm yet to get out of the gulag. That's, yeah, that's unfortunate. But I think uh, with my coaching and, and tutelage, you will, uh, you'll get out of there eventually. It will be king of that prison. It's going to be like Robert Redford in The Last Castle, one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I sure hope so. <laughs> awesome. 
Well, we've been getting a lot of questions on Facebook. Some people have texted me, uh, random people on Reddit and stuff have kind of sent in some questions about what we're doing, kind of topics we might want to cover in the future. So we have a, a, an email address now, exciting times over here. Ask above the meta gmail.com. Shoot your questions over there or uh, to our socials. We think about doing a mailbag either next episode or the one after. Got some listener questions and topics. Excited about that. Um, so one question I did get a lot was about the intro to the show, specifically your voice and the other voice on that clip. And I know you were a little concerned because you thought it sounded a little braggadocious that, uh, the show starts out with you, you know, uh, world series of poker on ESPN doing big things, but I want to assure the listeners, I made that as a joke to Adam. <laughs> He's a very humble guy. If you know him, uh, he is incredibly, um, you know, sensitive about these kind of things. But I am curious, for the listeners, can you explain what was going on in that 2008 clip? Back to our feature table. And Phil Helmuth. Helmuth looks down at an eight. He has pocket eights. Raised to 15,000. On to Adam Levy, queen 10. He is a very powerful online player. People from all around the world log on to watch the guy they call Ruthless Play. He skipped last year's World Series so he could be a camp counselor in Georgia. The flop with these guys' heads up, 9-6 jack. Pair of eights are still best for Helmuth. Levy with an up-and-down straight draw. Not the best flop for Phil to see, but he bets it. 20,000. Levy with the draw. Yeah, why wouldn't he stick around with that straight draw? A call. All right, so now the turn card. Turns an eight of diamonds. Levy hits a straight, and that also gives Helmuth a set. That is an unfortunate card for Phil. Phil checks. Phil slow playing it, not realizing how much trouble he's in. Levy will not slow play his straight. That's 37,000. And Phil with a quick call. A deuce on the river. Levy earns the check mark. He's got the straight. It's a blank on the river, and Helmut's got to like his hand. Uh, unfortunately for Phil, Adam Levy's got the nuts. 60,000 60, from Phil Helmuth. Phil value bets it. Yeah, the Queen 10 straight is just almost disguised with that board. I'm not tricky enough to play Queen 10 this good, am I? Levy's the one with the Queen 10. <laughs> raise. Levy announces raise up to 155,000. Now that raise freezes Phil momentarily. Let's see if he comes back over the top with his set. Phil just with a call. Queen, queen 10. Yeah, Levy with a Queen 10 and the win. Called a race with a. He called a race with Queen 10, honey. I know, honey. He's some online guy. I had a set. He's supposed to bust me anyway. Called a race with a Queen 10. I think he's from Florida or someplace stupid. Yeah, um, thanks for clarifying. I didn't just decide, you know, I'm going to throw my own Queen 10 uh, soundbite on there. But basically, in 2008, uh, World Series of Poker, day four, main event, I get sad against one of the best players in the world, Phil Helmuth, uh, one of the most well-known players in the world. And um, I happen to play this hand, Queen 10 of clubs. And Phil did not like how I played it. I turned the nut straight, and he turned a set, and he lost a lot of chips in that. And he got really pissed at me. And then I got a funny little one-liner in there. Um, it's actually really hard to track down on the internet now. I think ESPN has commandeered like all the like on YouTube. There's it's very you. It's I have trouble because someone will be like, "Hey man, uh, we're talking about my like I want to see the clip," you know. Queen 10. 
and I have trouble finding it. Um, a lot of them have been taken down. So yeah, uh, but uh, it's a great clip. If you, if I, if I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. If I track it down, uh, you should definitely watch it if you get the chance. It's honestly kind of hilarious. Oh, don't worry. I obviously already have it. I actually uh, ripped that from YouTube when we met, which is another question I've gotten a lot back in I think 2017, 2018. Uh, Listen that for the first time. So I will definitely include that. Uh, in the episode here, so you guys can listen to it. Honestly, it's an incredible, incredible you know hand that you played and a meltdown on on Phil's part. Um, so that's the history of that. And my favorite <laughs> part about that clip, and the reason I chose to use that as the intro, besides obviously it's funny hearing you uh, crush a legend there. You're a legend in your own right, though. Uh, was that he calls you an internet player? That was a derogatory term back then, and I thought that really fit the theme of the podcast and what we were talking about is eSports, lowercase e, lowercase lowercase s, sports. So that's the story there. (laughs) There you go. And uh, what have you been playing? Awesome, man. Uh, Well, yeah, I I think I talked a couple weeks ago about how I was going to get into every game that seems popular with eSports right now. So I started with uh, Dota 2, played a little league last time. And I've now moved on to the most degen, I think, of (laughs) eSports right now, which is the auto battlers genre. So I've played a ton of Hearthstone Battlegrounds in the past. There's actually a new update there I might check out uh, later this week. But I decided to give the other ones a try. The big ones, obviously, Teamfight, Tactics. But I, I played Dota Underlords first because I have a little bit more familiarity there. Have you played any of these games? Uh, I've played only... Well, I played some Battlegrounds, very minimal Dota Overlords. And I think like a couple times I played uh, TFT. I need to give TFT a shot. I've heard good things. Hearthstone Battlegrounds feels like like just way more of a like a gambler's uh, kind of game than uh, anything. It just feels like... I kind of, it kind of feels like I'm playing slots almost. That's... Like, Blizzard slots. That's such an accurate, like, description for the feeling of it. Uh, there's no more, like, D-Gen, like, addict feeling than just pressing that reroll button, looking for something specific and just furiously mashing it and then missing it. Um, so, for the listeners that haven't played these games, you get kind of a random... Um, assortment of characters you could buy and you can spend money to get another one. So it's called re-rolling there. And it's like the most addictive and terrible thing to do. And if you want to win, you should should do this as infrequently as possible to re-roll and keep doing it. Because you're essentially spending money for nothing, right? And there's a shared pool that's limited of these characters. So it's entirely possible that what you're looking for doesn't actually exist, right? It's kind of like playing that penny slot at the airport, you're probably not going to win and you're just going to sink a bunch of coins in there for no reason and then get dunked on by, uh, you know, some Korean StarCraft II player, which has happened to me as it turns out. But it's a very fun genre. So I think I told you I, I had played for about 10 hours, had not done better than fourth place in team fight, And you actually need to get to third place for it to count as a win. It's out of eight people. I told you I quit. I took two days, kind of like really did some soul searching, dug deep, thought about who I am as a person, who I am as a competitor, decided I couldn't leave it there. I came back in the next game. I kid you not, I won, which is like incredibly hard to do. And then I went uh, actually seven, one and one. I got seven first places, in a, five in a row. And then. Wow. You turned a corner. Way to, you know, you you dug deep. You took some, you know, maybe sometimes the best practice is to just take a step back, you know, and let things kind of retry. Honestly, Adam, I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it for my legacy. I mean, my kids one day will look at that and be like, wow, that was really stupid that you wasted like 20 hours on that. But um, 
it was it was a lot of fun. I totally get why it's a genre that people are engrossed in. It is very like luck and random based, but um I mean, that feeling that you get when you just high roll somebody, it's like, you know, you with the queen 10 uh, getting the nuts there. It's just uh, such a powerful feeling just to stomp people. And yeah, you got incredibly lucky, but that's besides the point. For that moment, you are a, you're a god, right? I do think that for those that genre of games, the strategy is kind of displaced or it's in a different place than what you're used to. So what you're used to is... You build all these things, like let's say, and then you just fight, you know, and you physically are controlling the fighting, but the building is where all the strategy is, whether it's the deck building, you know, in battlegrounds or you're like crafting heroes or something. What you were saying earlier about how, you know, you, you like took a step back and came back and crushed it. I want to segue into my own experience in this uh, uh, past few weeks where I actually had a crazy run in magic where within a matter of like five days, I top aided a pro tour qualifier, which is like basically some of the toughest players. Um, and then unfortunately all I need to do is win two rounds and I drafting in magic is very like, um, kind of like with battlegrounds where you're picking the cards and it's like, man, I think what happened was I took the same card that the, my player, the player to my right took. And then we ended up being in the same deck. And when that happens, it's really hard to kind of, uh, figure it out until it's almost too late. Once I realized it, it was, it was like, Oh no, this is not going to be a good deck, but I can't really just like get out of it. So I did that. And I also got top 80. I got 79th rank in Magic Arena. I peaked at that. But since it's, I've gone down because I did not stop like you did. I did not take two days off. Well, I mean, you're on a, you're on a heater. And when you are on a heater, you never stop. I learned that from uh, Jeffrey Tambor in The Hangover. But I have a couple of questions. First of all, congratulations. These are both awesome you know, accomplishments within the, the Magic world there. But I'm curious about your, your problem. You said you had uh, the same deck as the player to your right. Is that because you guys were... Was the issue that you were building the same decks? Have you ever done a draft? Oh, yeah. For the listeners who have not, you go, you pick a card, you from one out of like 14 in a pack, and then you pass one to the left, and then you take a card. So every, every, it just keeps going in rotation. You take one card until there's no cards left in the pack, and then you take another card, or no, sorry, another pack, and you go to the right. So you go left, right, left, there's three packs, you get like 45 cards to, to make a deck out of. So, in the very first pick of the first pack, I opened this card named Zenith Flare, which is basically like, it's like a cycling deck. So basically this card just deals like as much damage as there are for cycling cards in the graveyard. And when there's a lot of cycling in the format, you basically can deal half of the player's life total. So there, I've had like Zenith Flares where I've like done it for 12 and you only get 20 life points in Magic. So... That's a large chunk. Um, and it's basically like if you open that pick one, pack one, you are cycling. There's no options. I don't care if I don't like cycling deck. I have to be cycling in this format because Zenith Flare is too ridiculous of a card. It's an uncommon. It's not even like a legendary card, a mythic. Yeah, I was just looking at it. So, yeah, I mean, it's a red-white card for the, for the listeners at home. It's an instant too, which is big. So how many – like for the supporting cards then in cycling – 
uh, like, is it the kind of thing where you absolutely need to have the cycling cards and make this work? I can see that. But like, if you don't have this card, is cycle good on its own? So you need like certain types of cyclers. Uh, and there are certain cards that, yeah, you get, usually there'll always be the cards that don't cycle that are fine. The issue was, was I went dry on cyclers. Like, and, and if I, like, I ended up with like a janky 10, 11 cyclers, I think, in my deck. And when you have a cycling deck, you generally want like 15 because you can also run less lands. And yeah. I didn't get the good cycler. So the thing was, you need the one mana cycling cards versus the two mana cycling cards. Cause it's like, I can just cycle real fast. And all of a sudden, there's a Zenith Flare for eight that I can do on like turn six. You know, yeah, but That's busted. yeah, and they're just they're just kept being cycling, no cycling cards over and over in my packs, but I kept getting the good non cycling cycling cards, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. I mean, that's the same thing that happens in uh, in the battlegrounds and then actually auto battlers too, right? You're kind of beholden to what's given to you, which is sort of why it's fun because you can get that god roll, like you can just get. You can play a constructed quality deck, magic, or you know a constructed quality cop in these games. Well, everybody else is like literally trying to fight you off with toothpicks and you know paper airplanes. Um, but the reverse can happen, right? Where you can just not get what you need to make it work. Which is yeah. why I think they're kind of they're fun. They're kind of addictive for that reason because every game is a little bit different. But then on top of that, it's sort of a good metaphor for life, right? Like, you know, you got to play the cards you're dealt. You got to find a way to win. You didn't Sometimes. get into Harvard. I'm sorry. You get to go to the, you know, Santa Fe Community College. Yeah, 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 there you go. It's the, the Harvard of East Central Illinois. Yeah. But so um, just to kind of wrap yeah. that up, uh, the, the reason why, like, I, the, I had another route. I just didn't really think about it because I was so set on Zenith Flare, I, they passed me a rare that's one of the best rares in the set. So that's what made me realize after the fact that he took Zenith Flare and then I didn't get cycling. <laughs> and if I had just taken the rare and gone into black instead of red, white and forced it, I feel like I would. I only need to win two rounds to win the Pro Tour qualifier. So, wow. so like if I had just done that, I think it would have changed my, and like it would, I, I would have had a chance, but you know what? I fought hard in top eight. We I lost a really tough match. And, you know, I did all I can do. Just get them next time. You just got to have a little bit more draft awareness there, Adam Schefter. When you see the, the good rare get past you, that means that guy's For sure. something else. For sure. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, so congratulations again. What does this mean? You got a top eight pro call. Pro Tour, are you, does this lead anywhere else? Uh, no, I got like, uh, probably got about 250 to $300 worth of prizes from it. So I'm, I'm like, you know, kind of living the high life in magic on magic online, but right now, but, uh, other than that, uh, no, I just need to win two more rounds to get like, you get like, uh, I, actually, I think I got like a foil set. Yeah, if you win, you get a foil set of the current set. I got a non-foil, like you know, set of Ikoria, which is the present set, which is cool, and some other stuff. What, you know, if it's not shiny, what's the what's the exactly point, exactly? <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, ready to jump uh, to news? Unless you have anything else on on magic? No, that's uh, that's that's it. Awesome, man. So the Valorant, uh, you know, monoculture domination of esports continues. This time we have another $200,000 tournament sponsored by Twitch. Um, 
Pretty insane. I mean, I know you picked up Valorant a while ago. Have you played it since? I haven't. You in the tournament? But I do. I did enjoy it. I, 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 I will. I would be down to play it again. It's just and it kind of an embarrassment of riches right now with so many good games out there. It's like where? What am I gonna send my my time? You know, spend my time on when I also have to you know spend my time on you know life. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, now, now that you can go get haircuts, your schedule, I'm sure. Oh, man. I'm getting another haircut <laughs> tomorrow. It's just great. <laughs> yeah, why not? Well, Valorant obviously is launching uh, June 2nd, which is a couple days from now at time of recording. Uh, so, what do we think is next for Valorant? Do we think the kind of domination is going to continue? It's been the hottest closed beta I can ever remember now that it's, it's out. Uh, what's going to happen? Well, the release is coming out. I think it's like next a couple weeks or so. Uh, June 2nd. Y- yeah. June 2nd, you said? Yep. Well, that's like not even a couple of weeks, it's a couple of days. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Good that's bump. that's dope. I think that it's going to be. It's gonna, it's gonna, it has its, the, remember when Fortnite, you know, and Drake and Juju Smith Schuster all of a sudden were playing with Ninja on Twitch and it just became this like massive mainstream thing. I mean, granted, I don't think we're gonna, that, that was just like a watershed moment for esports in general, but I do think that it's, Valorant has the kind of clout like Fortnite, and i think it's it's not going anywhere and the hype is going to be around for a bit i definitely agree i mean they already are launching additional characters what do they call them agents in valorant i'm not sure yeah i think they have a new agent the 11th uh either coming out or already came out so the game is yeah it's pretty insane i so the good thing about coronavirus is there's a lot of uh, deals on startup equipment. I saw a gaming startup was selling all of their PCs, so I might pick up one <laughs> just for Valorant. <laughs> Maybe I can uh, trade them some of your non-foil Ikoria set. They'll give me a, a gaming there, there you go, barter. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Valorant, we're going to keep monitoring that. I mean, $200,000 for the prize pool sounds like a lot, but compared to kind of how much money's already been out there, this is just another, you know, insane uh, addition to their cornucopia of, of riches. Valorant, you know, might be the number one uh, prize pool sport supplanting Dota. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's, it's it'll be interesting. Uh, it's I'm kind of happy to see a new game be the it game Fortnite had its run let's you know let's move let, let let's get some more gritty serious games in there <laughs> a gritty serious game that is like rated t and you oh they don't have bomb <laughs> like, yeah it's, it's real uh, it's a real you know film noir over there i mean it's a fun game i what's exciting about it to me is that it's not a battle royale as much as i love that genre it's not a super like competitive format friendly game i think you know the call of duty league probably doesn't have anything on the radar with the cross of war zone it's kind of for a reason it's more of like a casual game which kind of goes to why you see you know nfl players and drake and all these other people you mentioned jumping on fortnite back in the days because it was free you could pick it up yeah there's no real things to learn other than go to the place shoot the guy uh, so it's cool to see a game that has like a lot more strategy and a little bit more intellectual uh elements to it come out so i'm excited to watch it i don't know if i, I just I, i'm not gonna have the t- time to play it i already know that but it is a it is an exciting one to watch for sure yeah so moving on, it looks like BlizzCon 2020 is officially canceled. This is probably not surprising to that many folks out there. 
Uh, have you ever been to a BlizzCon? I have not. Uh, my former roommate, actually, Games and Groove, shout out. That's our old or our events company that's been on hiatus since quarantine. But uh, my partner from there, he goes every year. He gets all the dopest BlizzCon shit. I think he had like a robe that he got. And it looks like the most comfortable blue, like wizardy robe I've ever seen. I'm very jealous. I think it's a Hearthstone robe, actually. Um, so shout out to our mutual friend Brennan who got me one of those Hearthstone robes. You got one uh, too? Oh my I have one god, there. dude! I'm yeah, jealous. Brennan, thank you. It's it's super warm. I don't know where it is. I think it got stolen by an ex roommate, but uh, for no. the month and a half, it was. Yeah, it really does look like a like a wizard robe. It pairs perfectly with like my mom's basement. Right? I, mean, I, can, I can totally see that going and being like a permanent fixture of the wardrobes of a lot of people who probably attend BlizzCon. That being said, I think the BlizzCon that you want to attend, at least me personally, was last year when they announced Diablo 4. I shared in the first podcast, Diablo 2 is my favorite game of all time. Uh, that looked like the most hype non-esports uh gaming related you know that could be that could be like the the game that competes with valorant whenever it's released you know uh, it could be like a world of warcraft kind of i mean it's a different subset of gaming you know or esports but i mean when world of warcraft came out recently when the like they re-released it that was number one on twitch for a bit yeah World, world of warcraft classic which was one of the games that like really showed me how addicting uh, digital things could be. I mean, shout out to my mother who on uh, weeknights when I was in you know, freshman in high school would come storming up uh, to the computer and literally <laughs> unplug it as though it was like, you know, raiding car oh, or whatever back in the day. A lot of freakouts that I've seen on uh, on the internet that have been caused yeah. by World of Warcraft being shut off. I mean, if my mom hadn't have dissuaded me so aggressively from playing computer games, like there's no reason I wouldn't be Ninja right now, right? Like she probably has cost me tens of millions. Oh of dollars my god, yeah, definitely. Sponsorship, yeah. You, so I'm so yeah, <laughs> If only she had just been like, no, 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 you got to play games. It's what you got to do. Yeah, right. You should be nurturing and, and uh, encouraging. How crazy! My, my it's just a crazy, in, or maybe not. I mean, it is crazy, but it is a very interesting world that we kind of, you know, you, you grow up, you want to be a sports player, you know, play baseball, pro league, and now like baseball is hardly relevant uh, to me, at least. Like oh, it's, it's not happening. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's not happening due to yeah. know, the pandemic. And, so. and, and well, true, but I mean, like for me, like I was a baseball. Uh, I, I loved it, and then I, at some point, I was like, I'm kind of bored and uh, like gaming. And now, if you'd just gone with gaming, and your parents had somehow ushered you to do that, and seen a decade, fifteen years from now, that this would be how you're going to make hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars. Like, it's it's just like such a mind fuck to me, I guess, uh, on a lot of levels. I mean, that's absolutely true, but the 2016 San Francisco Giants season was the backdrop to my first Hearthstone's Legends climb. So, you know, I've paired the two before and they go nicely. I think baseball goes well with video games because it's essentially wallpaper, right? Like you don't really have to look at it very much. Nothing's happening, but you're right. The, you know? But then there are some really tense moments. It's kind of like poker where it's just like, yeah, I just fold a lot. And then occasionally I'm hoping that he doesn't hit his flush draw for uh, $100,000. You're like, like it's like the World Series when it is 
11th in a world series of baseball, not poker. When it's 11th inning game seven and it's tied up like the intensity you, Oh man, it's so amazing that point, but that's only, yeah, but I then mean, there's 162 games of the year. That's, that's true. I mean, we'll see. Maybe baseball will get down to 80 or so games. I think is what they're talking about for this year. Although that seems incredibly unlikely that, Anything will happen. But anyway, shout out BlizzCon, uh, Activision Blizzard. We're looking for a press pass for the 2021 BlizzCon above the meta. We'll be there. Get the rubs ready. (laughs) Um, You had a note here about a Formula E driver who hired a F1 gamer to play for him. I have not read the story at all. I'm really curious what this is about. So um, since quarantine has started, there's been NASCAR, Formula One, IndyCar, all these different actual uh, in real life racing games or sorry, uh, racing uh, race drivers. Sorry, I'm stumbling here. Uh, They have taken to the Internet to play, you know, I think it's called iRacing. And you know, and simulate, and you and like it's actually kind of sick. You see some of the racing rigs that they have, it's a full, like, made up rate, like, it looks like a race car that you sit in. You know, it's got a nice driver's seat. There's like three monitors you can look at that just show, like, I, I've sat in them, you know, once or twice at like a TwitchCon or something to check it out. And it's they cost money, but they're pretty sick. Well. One of the guys didn't really want to drive in one of those, and he decided he was going to hire a professional esports F1 gamer to uh, because you're at home. Maybe you're not. It's not going to be on video. I don't know. So yeah, he just decided to hire this guy to to race for him. Well, the jig was up, and he got caught, and uh, he and he ended up. Uh, like yeah, he just got caught. He did. They didn't even win the race. He got third, oh, which is hilarious. Uh, that reminds me of uh, it's a little politically incorrect, but the South Park episode with Cartman in the Special Olympics. Have you seen it? No, but uh, go on. So Cartman obviously is is not disabled, but he thinks because he's not disabled, he will be able to not train, do nothing, and and just sweep the Special Olympics. <laughs> so. I think there's a whole subplot in there about one of the guys taking steroids, but he, he goes in there, you know, he's, he's obviously uh, incredibly overweight as a fat cartoon character and he just gets dusted in every single event and he just can't figure it out. He's like, I'm not disabled and I'm just getting killed by people. Yeah. This is kind of the reverse of that. The the guy who's a pro who does this for a living can't even beat, uh, you know, people that's, who aren't esports. Athletes. That's pretty insane. So, so uh, actually, th- the South Park thing that you mentioned with Cartman, I actually saw a, uh, I think it was like an IG story or something, talking about a guy, a racer in the Special Olympics who was using his arms and beat and got third and beat out a lot of people. He was only using his arms for a race, for a track and field like like dash, a hundred meter dash. He was running on his. He was running on his arms and beat most. Yeah, uh, I guess. Yeah, and that's all he used. Wow. Did you ever? It's incredible. So this is. I mean, that's congratulations to him. That's that's an amazing way to uh, to adapt to the situation, still do well. I mean, talk about being above the meta. Yeah. <laughs> the meta is running your legs, and then you got this guy going. But what that immediately made me think of: Did you ever play Donkey Kong sixty four? Yeah, great game. You have a orangutan character who runs on his hands, and like that's the fastest mode of transportation for him. Actually, <laughs> yeah. I'm to draw the comparison, there, but hey, it worked for uh, 
orangutan Kong. I forget his name. So was, good for him. Was, I'll have to look up that. It story. was Diddy Kong, I think. Donkey and Diddy. Or you're talking about another guy. On 64, there was also the – there's Donkey Diddy. Then there was the girl in, like, overalls. And then there was the orangutan. Got it. The, the orangutan is the one. Oh, and then Tiny, who was the really big kind of funny gorilla. Cool. Man, that kind of game that deserves a replay. That game is actually a ton of fun. Yeah. Lost a lot of – Hours there. Yeah, that was um, that was like one of the best games on the. You're talking about Donkey Kong Country, I think, right? Sixty-four. Yeah, sixty-four. Wait, so there are different ones, or no? I'm yeah. Donkey Kong sixty-four is the one that was the the yellow cartridge that you had to install the special like expansion pack on your sixty-four because it was really you know they were really pushing the tech forward <laughs> with that one. Um, it was the first game I ever got because we bought the like special Donkey Kong edition 64. That was like a big deal at my house because we had like TV was not really a thing. Uh, so it's kind of the first game I ever got. Really, oh, really wow. I'm actually thinking of Donkey Kong Country, which is not even a Nintendo 64 game. It's a Super Nintendo game. That, yeah, so I was trying to. I knew you were doing that. I didn't want you to reveal our age yet again. Oh podcast, no, no, no! But, well, apparently you are far younger than I am because I'm talking about some Super Nintendo shit. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm 19. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that's that's cool. So I feel like we might have gotten a little off track, but yeah. uh, you yeah. know, hey, we're we're getting nostalgic, reminiscing, and so to bookend the uh, Formula One. Racer, he now has been dropped from Audi, the team that he raced for, because he got caught. And it was a charity tournament. Like, oh my gosh. It's like he was too lazy to race in this tournament. So he wanted to hire someone because it didn't count towards the season standing. But it's also a charity tournament. You show up for a freaking charity tournament, you know? I love that energy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't do charity. Here's some peon I rented. Have a good day. Like, no. He actually came out with a video that basically said that. I'm not even joking. He was like, yeah, it didn't count towards my points. So I didn't really think it was relevant for me to play it and uh, hired someone. If anyone's going to do that, it's it's a race car driver. I'm just like, in my mind, that guy is Sasha Barra Cohen from Talladega Nights. Oh, just man. Like, but the race didn't count. Yeah. Oh. So that's actually a theme of our next uh, our next news topic here as well. So uh, tell me a little bit about Ninja and the Ninja Open. It seems like we had yet another uh, bad faith actor. Yeah. So basically this guy named Zexro decided to go off on uh, all of his fellow players uh, after beating them uh, in uh, Ninja open has these, or sorry, Ninja started running these events called the Ninja open and mm-hmm. um, it's on mixer. You can check it out. It's like a 400 K prize pool. And uh, this week for five weeks, I think, and this was the first one they ran 80 K in the, you know, it was like 60 players, 80 K prize pool. Pretty sweet. Um, and he just decided that he was going to go off and talk shit. Like literally said, I think he said shit like four times in three sentences called everyone. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm like, I can go there, but basically he said some really kind of unnecessary things about how bad his players were. You can probably read the transcript. I, I'm just not feeling like going there today, but um, <laughs> he basically uh, is basically everyone's the worst. You can suck his D um, and uh, they're all like, just like shit players. And um, 
then he immediately got banned from future Ninja Open events and uh, just thought it was kind of ridiculous that this oh is gosh. like what, um, you know, what instead of being like, oh, thanks, I want to thank, you know, it's like an Oscar speech or just like a victory, you know, speech. Like, I'm going to Disney World, whatever you want to say. Instead, it's just like, y'all suck and y'all need to get better outside of the top 10. Suck my D. Like, it's just kind of ridiculous. God. Well, I mean, he was probably just channeling the the sponsor, uh, old Billy Gates and Microsoft, like the vintage energy that they have. That's such a like 1990s Bill Gates attitude that like I won and it's not enough that I won. I'm going to just talk smack about everybody else. Right. Like <laughs> I love that. I mean, it was the first one, as you said, out of five. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where I going full YOLO. Where, what did you say? He could not hold himself back from just going full yellow afterwards and, and throwing up the double bear of freedom rockets. I feel like you can do that, but in far more artfully, I guess. You know, he just he just went off. And uh I don't know. Maybe uh he told him to fillet them using a high cue. I didn't actually read the piece. But uh it seems like he has gotten fined and obviously banned from the tournament and will have a one month suspension from uh Team Solo Mid there. So um, you know, be gracious in victory, guys. It's uh, it'll go a long way. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you want, speaking of a uh, victory and massive tournaments, you want to uh, talk about the international a little bit? Yeah. So this was a really surprising one to me because if you recall, two pods ago, I believe it was, we talked about how the international, which is Dota 2's uh, big tournament every year, last year I think thirty four million dollar prize pool was indefinitely suspended this year. That did not stop Valve from going ahead with the crowdfunding portion of the uh, the international. And if you're not familiar with the funding strategy they use, they put up a battle pass, which is essentially a slew of cosmetic items available for Dota 2 that you have to purchase. Dota 2 is normally a free game, but this is how they fundraise. So if you buy this battle pass, 25% of that goes to this community prize pool, which is where this $10 million number comes from. 75% of that, though, goes to Valve, which, hey, it's their game. It's fine. They're trying to make a profit. I get that. But the fact that this tournament is probably not going to happen, like, let's not kid ourselves. It's supposed to be in August. That was already indefinitely postponed. And they're still going ahead with uh, saying that, you know, this is a community-driven event. Seems maybe not disingenuous to me, but certainly a little eyebrow-raising. Um, and this $10 million is actually, it's only about $12 million now, so it seems like it's slowed down a little bit. But this, that initially was a record-breaking pace for them. And there's obviously quite a bit for this to run and for that pool to grow. But so I have a question for you. How do you feel about you know, them still saying this is a community fundraise when we'll be, we'll be seeing if this event actually happens? Um, I, I'm in mixed feelings. I'd say it's, it's cool that you know they, they raise that much. Every year, the international crushes it. Um, with with fundraising or raising you know prize pool raising i guess and the thing is is to kind of counter what you're saying about valve going through with this there's also probably a lot of things that they already started on before quarantine even happened and they were planning for this and they probably already put a lot of money into it for the this season so I guess, yeah, I do think that it, it, it really depends on what their MO is, I guess. Um, because, yeah, like, I do think 
if there's no 2020 international, this is kind of weird to just take all that money, 75% of it, you know, and, and not like somehow redistribute it. Um, yeah. I mean, that's sort of where I'm at. Like I'm obviously not going to cry for valve since they have the second biggest money printer on the internet after the federal reserve and in, in the form of the steam store, they'll be just fine. <laughs> but, uh, the thing that I keep thinking about is they have another property that kind of shows how they could potentially do this in a much more, I don't know, kind of fair and uh, holistic way here. And that's, you know, Counter-Strike Global Offensive. They have a bunch of different community events that are essentially run on their own and they kind of just throw a little money at them. And everyone seems pretty happy with that. There doesn't have to be some monolithic big event. So in this kind of like extenuating circumstances time we have here, do you think there's a case where they just keep this money and maybe it rolls over to next year? I think the kind of thing that I would like to see them do is maybe give a little bit of that money to some community-run tournaments, which they already do for Counter-Strike. That way, it feels a little bit more fair in terms of like the expectations you set when you put up a fundraiser versus like what you actually deliver. So that's sort of what I was thinking about. We have a great example here of you know Rocket League and Psyonix doing something very similar on a much smaller scale. But just kind of interesting to see how people are adapting to you know, these extenuating circumstances with not being able to have arenas and live events. Yeah, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I really think that they should redistribute this money to community-driven uh, events and uh, roll over some of it to next year. And eh, I mean, or maybe just beef up the battle pass a little more. You know, if people are going to buy it and they want the they want the the pass or maybe what the prospective teams are supposed to be or whatever, and I don't know what the battle pause, what it comes with exactly, but you know, maybe there's some characters that you get also in that you can't yeah. get from you know not having it. So maybe just put some more loot in that crate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I maybe I'm overstating the amount of people who like care about Dota Two as a you know, the international specifically, the, the tournament aspect of it. Maybe people are just buying this battle pass and have no idea that 25% of it is going to this. But, you know, Dota 2 is a purely cosmetic game. You get all the heroes unlocked at the beginning, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I hear they have a, a Ruthless skin in there uh, that's in the battle pass. So maybe people are buying to, to look like the Silver Fox himself. I don't know. I might have to buy it. There you go. Um, so we talked a little bit about Rocket League here. Another $300,000 uh pool across 10 i think events here yeah so you you mentioned you have a personal connection to some of these folks huh yeah so back when i was running rocket league tournaments uh they were not like serious rocket league tournaments they're casual i brought this up on the podcast before but it was just because i love the game of rocket league and uh one of the tournaments happened to have uh kind of crested over and really I, I tapped into the community and the community in rocket league is very strong. And, uh, they, a lot of the casters came out, the shout casters. I actually learned what that phrase was there. I was like, what, well, I don't understand. Why are you calling yourself? Why are you, sh- are you shouting? I don't understand, but that's what, you know, they call them. And yeah. So one of them, Adam Lawler Thornton, he is actually, uh, going to be presenting the one of these tournaments that are being ran. There's going to be, uh, I think 10 different tournaments that are being ran over with 300 K from psionics, which is the game that, uh, 
created Rocket League, but developer. Yeah, well, actually, Epic owns Rocket League or Rocket League now, uh, which mm-hmm. is the you know that's Epic owns Grand Theft Auto. They own Fortnite. I mean, that's a it's a big uh, it's a lot of good games that they own. So yeah, shout out Epic for giving me uh, Civilization. What is yeah. it, five or six for free? Yeah, <laughs> I know GTA was for free too, but I missed that cutoff. Oh well. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Adam came. I played Rocket League with him before. Even the casters are freaking good at Rocket League. They outclass me easily. You know, uh, it's just don't think just because they cast and they can talk about the game, they don't have the the chops to play it either because they definitely can. Yeah, that's hilarious. I, as you were saying, I was picturing like Joe Buck on Monday Night Football, like calling a play and then running out there and, you know, playing uh, Edge Rusher or something. <laughs> 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 that just doesn't really happen in sports. Yeah, esports is cool like that. Um, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, so it sounds like we'll definitely be seeing you in one of these tournaments then. Uh, what do you think? You're going to call your shot now? Are you getting first? How much of this 300K do you think you're getting? I think I'm going to win three of them at, at the minimum. Uh, you know, I'm going to enter all 10, a win three for sure. So, yeah, you can just write that check out to me right now. <laughs> there you go. And, uh, yeah, shout out to Epic one more time. Uh, currently, Borderlands is the free game they're offering on their uh, their free thing. I just checked that up. So go and get that one. So one last thing about kind of uh, tournaments. If you are interested in Hearthstone and becoming a master, the qualifiers are starting soon, June 4th. Uh, maybe the same day Valorant is launching and you have until July 6th or 26th. There's 90 master's qualifier tournaments. Go out there, win one. It's about a $3 million prize pool this year. I'm getting, I'm getting ready for that. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I haven't been, haven't been playing that. Well. You got to take some gotta... days off, you know, you got to recharge, get those, uh, you know, the, the kettlebell workouts going, which by the way, dude, no, we don't have video on this podcast, but your traps are noticeably getting, uh, swoller. I don't know if that's, a, <laughs> I don't know if that's a phrase, but, uh, yeah, no, it's definitely, and, you know, the, the camera adds 10 pounds of traps. It's known, uh, uh again, follow me on Instagram at Patrick Darmody. If you want to see my daily kettlebell workouts. Uh, but yeah, I was gonna say, I got to channel some of that, uh, ruthless energy June 4th when I enter the tournament scene again. So we'll see. Yeah. Get in there. Yeah. So I know we want to talk a lot about, uh, poker here in the closing segments here. So you had a couple of interesting poker anecdotes, Take us away. Yeah, so the first one was pretty cool. Lex Veldhaus, I met, mentioned him on the, the pod before. He's probably one of the biggest poker streamers currently. Um, and he got gifted a $10,000 ticket to the scoop, the Spring Championship of Online Poker on Poker Stars. And, uh, you know, just gifting $10,000 tickets. And it, it is the toughest, like, you know, they're outside of like the you know, super high rollers where there's like a $50,000 tournament with like 15 people. This is the toughest main event of the year. One of the, like the toughest tournaments period. And he ended up going super, super deep in it. It's a four day poker tournament online. Imagine playing poker for four days straight online. It's kind of unprecedented. There are maybe two tournaments a year. It's the W Coop and the scoop main event. And he ended up getting, I think, 15th in it. So on day three, there's 24 players left and he's still in. And he had 
I think 55,000 viewers on Twitch, which was his own. It was the Twitch record for poker, which is pretty awesome. And that's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, it was a month. Granted, it was a Monday, so it's kind of a low traffic area, but it's low traffic. People are working. People are not necessarily on Twitch being like, I want to watch poker. Um, and also, apparently, during that stream, there were over 100K uh, channels, and he was the number one channel over those 100K channels on all of Twitch. So that's. Wait, so he, not just for poker, he was the number one overall? Number one. Just completely was the biggest channel on Twitch for like, you know, 15, 20 minutes, which is pretty sick. So I have something that I've been meaning to talk to you about. I'll talk about it here. Is Twitch the best place to watch poker? Are there features you would like to see from a live streaming platform? Because here's where I'm going with this. Startup idea. We make Twitch, but for poker. Are we billionaires at the end of this idea? Well, there is something called Poker Go. Where it's a no, but it, it poker, it's no. a little different. It's a subscription app. It's open. There's poker content on there, and you can just kind of watch it. But the thing is, is it's funny you bring that up because I kind of am the. So what happened was Poker Go started buying up a lot of the like a lot of content and co- putting it in Poker Go. So you have to subscribe, you know, ten dollars a month or whatever. But I don't. I I, I love poker, but I'm not a hundred percent sold on the idea of having a, you know, subscribe for poker content. I feel like poker is like always about just kind of letting anyone who's watching it, you know, just be, take a second, be like, Holy crap. Like I, a casual player, like how do you build up poker? If the only people that can watch it are people that have to pay to watch it, I guess is my thing. And you know, it, there are some diehards who will pay for it and that's great. And I honestly, I will like for me, like I will pay for it because I love like the high rollers and it's like, kind of like I'm studying, you know, like the, but the high level poker is insane on, on poker go. That said, I love being able to just tune in to Twitch and watch someone playing hours on end for free. Um, and it, it's just a great medium for poker. So you think it is a good thing. And my billion dollar startup idea is actually dead in the water is what it sounds like. Unfortunately, yes. I think uh, you should, you know, it's a good idea if you want to go back in time five years ago, maybe, and just like go all in on it. Uh, yes. You, it would be great. I personally, I would like to go back in time and really commit hard to Twitch streaming again because I, I, I found it. I knew I need to do it, and I just like had some imposter syndrome about actually doing it, and didn't. It was like, oh, my background's not good, so then I didn't stream. You know, just fucking stream, dude. Well, Adam, the best time to plant a tree or start a Twitch stream is twenty years ago. The second best time is right now. There you go. So get out there. At Ruthless, two zeros. <laughs> yeah. So really, really quickly before we get to kind of the next poker content, you'd put this up about a Madden player winning a tournament without throwing a single pass. So this just reminds me of like, you know, 1926 football. Tell me, tell me how this played out. Oh, I, I, I was, I, I was very confused by how this was possible. That said, I, during quarantine, I started playing more Madden with my roommate. Uh, shout out Sean. And we have had some epic battles like Seattle and Casey. They match up perfectly. And all we do is run 
with Russ Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, occasionally throw it. Freaking Chris Carson's a beast. Like, like I, I wasn't that surprised when I read this headline. However, I read the format of the tournament and realized that this was actually even more crazy than it sounds. Yeah, we'll, we'll put the link in the show notes here. But it's not just he won a tournament. This is the tournament. This is the top $65,000 Madden 20 Championship Series tournament. Yeah, the, he, he won the Madden Bowl. And what, what happened was he used a – so he used a punter as his quarterback. <laughs> and, and once again, you're like, I don't understand. Well, in the format – you kind of it's a draft and you have to kind of like prioritize certain positions. So he decided that he was just going to prioritize getting Hall of Fame running back Gale Sayers. So you can it's it's a pool, a draft pool of all players and I guess he just thought that he was going to have Gale Sayers run down everyone's throat and he didn't actually care about passing. He wasn't going to spend any money because apparently a lot of people spend too much money on like, like that's what we realized when we were doing drafts, me and my roommate were like, oh, well, if you don't get Mahomes or Russ or like a couple other QBs right away, like like it's a lot harder to, to run the ball, which having that like dynamic, like just being able to run the ball is crucial. And granted, <laughs> I didn't expect him to just do it in this manner. And so Gail Sayers just took over. He had a really sick defense and um, it was just, he was unstoppable and just ran the ball to victory, shipped it for 65 K. I love it. Yeah. It's really impressive. It's kind of like a money ball uh, by the, the weirdo strategy. And that's kind of the fun thing about salary cap uh, leagues. I mean, my favorite thing in fantasy sports, I know you're a big daily fantasy player, is the daily fantasy salary cap like value hunt. I think that's so fun. It's kind of like, you know, picking stocks or something. You're just looking for undervalued assets. But to see this done in an eSport is, is super fun. Yeah, I'm, I, I just loved reading this article from start to finish. Just thought it was hilarious and cool. And like you said, you know, it was it. This is literally above the meta. Like this guy <laughs> saw what everyone was doing and figured out a way around it and shipped it. So congrats to That's our guy, Fernando Brito, I think his name or Radel Brito. There you go. There you go. Brito, you're a legend. Welcome to the Above the Meta Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. I think you're our first inductee. This yes, is he is. So uh, kind of fun, like right now the show here, you know, I had texted you a couple of weeks ago. I was really curious in the concept of how do you improve your skills as an eSport athlete, especially when it comes to a new game? Because in doing this podcast, I've tried out a bunch of games I've never played Kind of like Team Fight, I started out terrible and kind of either slowly got a little bit better or gave up or sometimes got much better. And I know your entire life is built around winning games as a professional poker and poker event and uh, Rocket League event host there. <laughs> so I was really curious if we could kind of set up a little competition here. Not even a competition, but kind of a friendly trading of interests. So obviously you were really into poker. I'm really into Warzone, other shooting games. We thought it might be fun to have each other play uh, the games that we're you know, passionate and pretty competitive in. So you and I kind of already jumped the gun and played Warzone this week. 
So really curious, what was that experience like from a competitive perspective? Unfortunately, I am just so bad at Warzone. Um, (laughs) It's just like shooting games. I've talked about this before. I am just not good at them. Uh, Specifically Warzone, uh, I I did find it tougher than Valorant. Um, It did seem very fluid and easy to use. Uh, Warzone, I get the hype, but... For me, I just had trouble finding people that were shooting at me. I didn't really know, like, uh, I guess the tracking of me, like, looking around. And then, oh, God, there's someone there. And I'm just, like, shooting, like, you know, kind of like in a movie where someone doesn't know how to control a gun. And it's just, like, spraying anywhere. (laughs) Um, uh, But... I think if I play maybe some solo modes or practice a bit, I I can get better. Um, But right now, I'm not necessarily too high on the game just because of my own ineptitude, I guess. But hopefully (laughs) it'll get better. Yeah. So I've watched this happen. So I was playing Warzone and two of my roommates have, have since started playing too. And I've watched their own you know, attempts to climb the skill curve there. And I think the biggest problem for them and probably you too, is there's a huge mechanical skill component. There's one, like the awareness, being able to see people and all that, being able to like make really quick decisions, like, and actually be able to control the, manipulate the controller or the mouse and keyboard. Like it's probably a big challenge for you. Cause I mean, Rocket League, you're playing, you, you played Warzone on, on the PC, right? No, I'm playing on Xbox. Oh, okay. So you are using controller. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I would love to kind of see how you could uh, improve as a player. My kind of quick tips to you is it's really basic, but just watch some of the really good people. Like I watched Shroud and a couple of the other, uh, actually not even Warzone, but Call of Duty League players just for a bit, just to kind of see how they make kind of like snap turns and how they kind of scout and all that kind of stuff. That helps a lot. And the other thing I'll say is just always move, like drop into a place, loot, run away, find somebody else. And if you stay in one place for too long, you're going to get, you know, domed out. It's <laughs> pretty regular. I, I did learn that from Fortnite. Yeah, like loot, find <laughs> something. The Right now, the problem is I'm actually separating from my team uh, on the, mm. the loadout, I guess, or when, when you know, like, you're supposed to, like, for, I have to, I have to, you can't just fly and then figure it out you know like i i end up like trying to find the point but then i'll somehow like the parachute doesn't get me there it's just bad bs that i have to get better at um and you know i'll give I'll, i'm gonna play some Warzone here and there and try to get better and uh right now it's like more of a chore than it is uh fun but i hope it gets fun no well you're doing it for the pod right put the work yeah in. yeah no, I, well, yes, but it's more like it's more like I just want to be able to like shoot someone, and I, I can't do that. It's just like uh, eventually we'll we'll get there. I just have to put some grit and heart, uh, sweat into it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a game that rewards uh, a lot of you know intentional practice. Um, so for me, you know, I've never gotten first. I've gotten a bunch of seconds, but my top in solos is second place. But I think. Like 11 kills. So if you beat either of those second place or 11 kills, special prize in it for you. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. Uh, and and for, I don't even, you don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what it is yet, but I don't think you're going to do it. Fair, yeah. I think that's, <laughs> I think it's a fair assessment, but I would love to. Um, yeah. What about you for poker? Is that the, I heard you were in rumblings. You've been a pro poker yeah. pro or back pro <laughs> poker player. Sorry. It's a tongue twister. 
Yeah, you know, I've I've thought about this a lot, hanging out with you, a couple of our other mutual friends, guys who have gone to the main. Um, for me, what really sold me is I heard my like 402nd uh, ad for Masterclass, the Daniel Negreanu <laughs> video series on how to get better at poker, and I was like, well, it's uh, it's just time. This is this is it, and. I'm really interested in poker for a variety of reasons. I've played a lot of like house games. I've played a little bit online, but the reason I love it is as you've kind of talked about in previous pods, you have to pay to, to, to play. Like it's not something where you can go and play for fun, but nobody does that because the game doesn't make sense without that kind of skin in the game component there. And it's very easy to quantify your progress. And as we've talked about, it is a game where you can get lucky and win. And I like that because I'm not very good right now. <laughs> so that's sort of what I'm thinking about with poker is I'm going to, I'm going to set aside, I think like nothing crazy, like a $500 bankroll, uh, figure out if I'm a tournament or a cash or whatever player. We'll talk about that at some point. I'm sure watch a couple of videos and then just start, start getting in there. Do you have any tips for going back you know, at this point, I think probably 20 years to your the start of your poker career. How did you get better? Uh, well, I asked an annoying amount of questions to all my friends. And if, and, yeah. and I would try to test those out, the, the, the suggestions that people made. Some would be like when I first started playing, I was like, like someone said, oh, oh, my favorite hand's King 10. So I was tied to King 10. And then people <laughs> would give me, you know – flack for playing king 10 it's not as good a hand i was like no 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 i'm gonna change the game you don't understand (laughs) like like so it's like you know there's all these preconceived a there's a lot of ego that everyone has when they start playing poker and it's you have to understand to check that shit at the door you know just like just like people whatever people are saying to you you might not understand it now, but may, or or maybe you do understand it. But generally, you have to be very willing to learn and constantly be kind of molding your opinion of what is right and what is wrong. Mm. And the unfortunately, there's no easy, there's no hack to get good at poker. It's just play a lot of poker, and you might be a quick learner, and that's great. But until you're in the moment where you are tied to that, like you have money on the line, like you said, and then you're playing and you have 15 seconds to figure out if you want to call this guy's all in on the river when there's like 12 left in a tournament. That's not something that I can really teach. You know, that's something you just have to get into it and then figure like feel the emotions of it or try to, you know, kind of, not or feel them you can feel them don't let the that take a hold of your you know rational thinking if it makes sense and i know it's like a long answer there's a lot of stuff i could go on for hours um but just experience you have to just play you just have to feel the emotion you have to feel the the Poker is a battle between you and yourself and all eight other players at the table. And you have to understand that you are battling yourself. You know, there's a lot of emotion to it and a lot of ways to kind of manage it. So what I'm hearing is uh, if I take an ounce of CBD at once, then watch rounders 16 times straight, I should be in the world series of poker next year. Yeah, no, you'll, you'll be the best, <laughs> one of the best players in the world. 
It's just it's a function of how many times could you watch rounders? Yes, <laughs> yes, and and then probably not as much as I have. Okay, well, that's a great movie. Uh, shout out to Rewatchables; they have a funny pod on there. Oh, they do. I okay. just rewatched Rounders a couple months ago. That's awesome. I'll listen yeah. to it. There you go. I think Rounders Two might be happening. Uh, Brian Koppelman's always talked about that. Once I get done with Billions, would be great. So, I'm I'm someone who definitely likes to like learn by doing, as you talked about. But we talked about poker as a viewing experience, and obviously Twitch and potentially my new uh, live streaming platform, which will be competing with Twitch. <laughs> so, do you think I can learn poker by watching other pros such as yourself? Shout out at Ruthless uh, Two Zeros. Do you think that'll help me improve my game? So there are levels. There's levels to this shit, man. Um, so <laughs> all right, Omar. There's there's a lot of things that you foundational things that you need to learn before you can just be like because if you hear me talking poker or even hear like some some of the best players in the world talking poker, you're gonna be like, what are I don't understand? Like I just want to know if I should play Queen Nine. From, you know, like from anywhere. And they're talking about like peel solving and check raising and uh, like, you know, three bet bluffing. And you're just like, there's all these terms. And it's like, and they can go real deep, you know, with their slang. So it's one of those things where you have to have foundational understanding of what they're talking about before you can understand it. Because if you take what I, what like, you know, you watch Lex on stream and, and he's trying to tell you what to do and you're playing a uh, dollar tournament, he's playing $10,000 tournament. It's completely different. You know, hmm. there's, there's also an emotional attachment to the buy-in level because whether you, you're supposed to kind of check your emotions at the door. Um, but like when you have a dollar tournament versus a hundred dollar tournament, like the dollar tournament Sometimes like my roommate started playing and he just like went to sleep one night. He was like, there's a hundred left, like whatever. I'm in the money. I don't care. It's a dollar tournament. But if you had a hundred dollar tournament and it was the same situation, adrenaline keeps you up or you're not falling asleep, you know? So whether we like to admit it or not, everyone is emotionally tied to it on some level, I think. And um, like, you know, that, that that's why, but that's also why it's different you know, down at the lower yeah. levels and you have to kind of adapt. I mean, you have, <laughs> you have no idea how uh, financially despondent I am right now. That dollar <laughs> tournament, if I was in the money, might keep me up too. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to your roommate though. I'm glad to see he's in the game now. Full DGen status. That is interesting. You, you bring up the point about kind of the, the language of a new game. You know, this is probably the steepest part of the learning curve going back to team fight for me is there's like, a hundred made up words that they throw at you that all mean something that essentially you have to make flashcards <laughs> to like learn the terms before you can even play the game. And at first that sucks. It's such a turnoff because it's like, I have to memorize gibberish so I can drag sprites around my iPhone screen and, you know, dunk on someone on the internet. But then it becomes kind of fun and part of the community uh, where you kind of have this shared language. I mean, you threw out a couple of terms there describing the, the poker language, which I have no idea what that stuff means. Pretty excited to learn that. So that's part of the game I enjoy. I don't think there's that much of that in Warzone, though. So well, you, you threw out some terms, I think, in Warzone that, uh, you know. Uh, gulag. Gulag. Yeah. I mean, it's just like nerd talk and every, every or, yeah. or shop talk, I guess, if you want to. Because even in, in when I was waiting tables, you know, a ramekin ramekin or 86 i'm in the weeds you do you know any of that you know like some of the stuff 
if it doesn't transcend to now, we know what all in means. All in's an everyday uh, saying. And I literally said it earlier as like, not as a pun, you know, it wasn't a puck poker <laughs> reference. Uh, and well, a ramekin, I mean, creme brulee is my third favorite dessert. So of course I know what a ramekin is. Of course. Is, but yeah. <laughs> but but the I guess my point is that like it's amazing how some of these phrases that really are just shop talk end up being like you know transcending and it is interesting it's a kind of a cool byproduct of cultures. Yeah, I mean I totally agree. I'm excited for uh, our next week's pod where we will check in, see how Warzone's going for you, see how Punk is going for me. I may be podcasting from debtor's prison, but uh, <laughs> I'm committed to being on the pod. Regardless. I feel like if you get a final tape, I think you should play tournaments just because it's kind of the that's kind of what I'm more well versed in. And cash games are like cash games are there's no glory in cash games. If you just want to grind, cool. <laughs> but if you want to win a tournament, like hop in there. And, um, you know, maybe if you make a top three in a tournament, I'll, uh, it, it's like the same kind of equivalent of a second. So the appeal of, of cash games, thank you for that. But the, the appeal of cash games to me was the ability to lose an infinite amount of money. Like that seems pretty compelling, right? Like you can go all the way to zero in cash games. Like I want to be so desperate playing a cash game that I am calling you up and asking you to wire me money because I think I can, I can get it all back in. If I just, you know, grind oh, you, out a you're in it for the pain. You're in it for the pure degeneracy of, you just want to go all in with your $500 <laughs> on the table. But that's it. As my guy, as my guy Pacino said in two for the money, you don't feel anything when you win, you feel it when all the chips are getting pulled away from you. I mean, that's what I that want. is. That is very true. I don't necessarily, <laughs> you know, recommend that. But uh, I would recommend like bankroll is very relevant to poker. I think that's probably the number one most important thing is like whatever you do, like try to keep it within your means. Um, yeah. And uh, ergo disparity. Yeah. I'm sorry to be a rain on your degeneracy parade. But <laughs> no, somebody's got to curtail me. Otherwise, uh, I'll go you know, fully rogue. And this will be the last time you'll ever talk to me. <laughs> Um, well, I'm excited about uh, I'm excited about this next week playing poker. You playing Warzone? Anything else? Uh, no, I mean I think we we covered a lot. It was uh, you know probably covered like ten, fifteen different games yet again. <laughs> yeah, the number one point of feedback I've gotten from the podcast is, "Hey, can you make it forty five minutes?" So we're coming back with like an hour thirty here. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> it's free content guys yeah. alright Adam well have a great next couple of weeks I'll talk to you soon uh, good luck in the gulag yeah, you too good luck at, uh, on the, the virtual stuff you guys cheers buddy yeah don't wanna see you in yeah put you down to keep you in